Well, uh, we are wrapping up a series today called Not a Fan that we kicked off all the way back on Easter Sunday. Actually, uh, every week, at least somebody up on stage has been wearing one of these t-shirts. I would be wearing mine, but I forgot to wash it this week. Uh, But I have two of these to give away. They're both extra larges. Would anybody like one? Hands, anybody? Some of you are pretending to want one. I was going to sell them, but that's not going to work. Oh, okay. Fight, fight on, about them yourself there. Um, so we've kicked off, we kicked off this series on Easter Sunday where we talked about defining our relationship with Jesus and how there's this continuum that runs from on one end you have someone who's just like a casual fan of Jesus, somebody who uh, maybe thinks some of the stuff that Jesus says is pretty good, they like some of his ideas, they think he seems like a pretty nice guy, and so they're kind of like, yeah, okay, yeah, I like, I like Jesus, I, I got no beef with him, whatever. And so they're kind of like down on the end where they're, they're this casual fan. And then there's the other side of this continuum where you have people that would say, no, I'm a committed follower of Jesus. Not only do I think that what he's saying is kind of a good thing to think or believe, but I actually am making my life be about following him. I'm actually pursuing him with, with my entire life. And so the question, the important question, isn't really uh, where am I on that continuum because every, every one of us walks in this morning at different places on that continuum. The question isn't really where, where am I, but more which direction am I heading? Am I, am I heading towards asking God to, to make me more and more of a committed follower? Or am I t- kind of tending more to, to head the direction of just sort of being a fan of his. And so, no matter what we think right now, as you can probably expect, Jesus invites us to become a committed follower. That he wants us to be, he invites us to, to move in that direction. No matter where we are when we walked in this morning, he says, I want your life to begin to move in that uh, direction, to have that trajectory, to, to move toward being a committed follower of mine. And so we, we, the rest of the series, we talked about different uh, ways to identify which direction it is that we're headed on that continuum. One week we asked the question, whose dust are you covered in? Uh, we talked about how uh, in Jesus' day, people would, when they would be a disciple of a rabbi or a follower of a rabbi, they would actually physically follow them close enough to where the dust from their shoes would, would get kicked up and they'd, their, their followers would be covered in their dust. And so we were asking this uh, question, are you following Jesus closely enough to where you would actually be covered in his dust? And then the next week we ask the question, how close to him or how close to Jesus are you willing to get relationally? Are you, is, is God just someone that you're kind of trying to know some things about? Like can you, are you trying to recite some facts about God? Or is, is, it, is it a relationship where you're really actually trying to, to get to know personally and, and intimately who Jesus is. And then we talked about weakness. We talked about how Jesus chose the cross, the ultimate sign of weakness, to display his power and his love to the world. And we talked about uh, inviting God not only to help us in our weaknesses, but to actually begin to transform us so we can be a blessing to others in the midst of those weaknesses. And then last week we talked about, uh, we asked the question, are you following the rules Or are you following Jesus? And we we talked about how this invitation to follow him is about so much more than just some set of guidelines that we have to meet or some set of rules that we have uh, to live up to. That the pursuit involves the gift of God's grace and his extravagant love for each and every one of us. And so that brings us to today where we're going to wrap up the series and try to sort of pull all of that together uh, this morning. And so the question that we're going to ask today is, is Jesus enough? Is Jesus enough? 
Uh, if you haven't pulled out your outline yet, you can go ahead and do that. It's bright yellow. You can't miss it. It should be in your program there this morning. Uh, and you can, it'll help you follow along with, with what we're reading, give you a chance to take some notes and, do, and doodle when I get boring. It'll be fine. So today uh, we're going to be looking at uh, one of the Gospels. Uh, if you're not familiar with the Bible, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are known as Gospels. And Gospels just means good news. Each one of those uh, books talks about the good news of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And so today, in Luke's Gospel, in chapter 9, we find a story where there are three different people that, that Jesus talks with about what it means to follow him, what that actually looks like to be uh, on this end of that continuum, to be a committed follower of his. Uh, and so if you're reading from your Bible, it's in Luke 9:57. If not, it's right there uh, at the top of that uh, first page in your outline. And it says this, it says, As they, Jesus and his disciples, were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you no matter where you go. But Jesus replied, Foxes have dens to live in, and birds have nests, but I, the Son of Man, have no home of my own, not even a place to lay my head. He said to another person, come, be my disciple or follower. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. Jesus replied, let those who are spiritually dead care for their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach the coming of the kingdom of God. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Now, all three of these people that Jesus talked with found out something important about following Jesus. It's not easy. It's not an easy thing to do. It's not necessarily that difficult to want to follow Jesus. It's not that hard to believe that it's a good idea to follow Jesus. And it's pretty easy to talk about how important it is to follow Jesus. But what we find in this story and what we find a lot of times in our lives is that following Jesus is a lot easier to believe in than it is to actually live out. It's a challenge to live out because there's a cost involved. There's cost involved in the process. And so the question we have to ask ourselves this morning is, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is following Jesus worth what it costs us? And the question that Jesus asks us this morning is, am I enough for you? Am I enough for you? So let's take a look at this uh, a little bit deeper today. Uh, If I believe Jesus is enough, number one, this is the first blank there in your outline. uh, Number one, I will follow him wherever he goes. If I believe Jesus is enough, I will follow him wherever he goes. Let's uh, reread that first uh, set of verses there. It says that as they, Jesus and his disciples, were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you no matter where you go. Now this guy, just so you know, this guy probably had the chance to see Jesus uh, in action quite a bit. Jesus had already done a whole bunch of different things that this guy had probably witnessed or heard about or seen with his own eyes. Things like people being uh, healed. There were people that he had actually raised somebody from the dead. He had actually fed 5,000 people uh, with just a couple of loaves of bread and a couple of fish. Uh, and so, and, and he had also been really reaching out to people in that society that were uh, marginalized or outcasts. And so this guy was probably really inspired and excited about what he had seen Jesus doing. He was, he was, pretty, he was pretty passionate about what uh, 
he had seen Jesus do, and it was stirring up this desire in him to say, I want to be a part of that. I want to I follow this guy. And so he comes up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, no matter where you go, no matter where you go, I am going to follow you there. But what does Jesus say? Jesus says this. He says, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but I, the son of man, have no home of my own, not even a place to lay my head. So Jesus here has this guy come up to him who's full of passion, full of excitement, and upon hearing uh, this man express his passion to follow him, the first thing that Jesus does is he says, okay, but I want to warn you about something. I want to I give you a little bit, I want to place some caution here on this. He says, okay, you can follow me. You certainly can follow me, but you need to know that this isn't going to be as easy as you think it is right now. This isn't going to be as easy as you think. I don't, I don't even have a place to live. Foxes, they've got dens that they live in. Birds, they've got nests that they live in. But me, I have no place to call home. Basically, Jesus says, I'm, I'm essentially homeless. If you're going to follow me, you're going to have to realize that that's just the way things are. So he's saying to this man, you're welcome to follow me, but know this, it's going to get uncomfortable sometimes. It's going to be uncomfortable sometimes. It's going to take you outside of the comforts that you're used to experiencing. Following me is not just about miracles and sunshine, right? And although the story, uh, if you read the story, you notice it doesn't really tell us anything about this guy's response to what Jesus says. We don't really know what, what decision he made or what, uh, which direction he, he went. Uh, but you can almost in, picture, as Jesus is saying this, the guy's sort of stopping in his tracks and, and, and suddenly realizing what following Jesus wherever he went really meant. And you can see him rethinking that decision, that statement that he had just made so passionately to Jesus. It was important to Jesus that this guy understand that where, wherever he goes, if you're going to follow me wherever I go, it's going to be uncomfortable sometimes. It is not going to be easy. And the same is true for us. We also need to consider the fact that following Jesus wherever he goes will often require us to be willing to be stretched outside of our comfort zone, to actually sacrifice some of the ways that we're used to being comfortable all the time. Now, there are a couple of ways to look at this, this idea of wherever. Okay? There's a couple of ways to look at this. One of them is geographically which is probably the most common way. When I think of it, that's, that tends to be how I think of it. So following Jesus wherever could mean that I am going to go to a different city to follow because that's where he's, he's, he's called me to go. That's where he's leading me. Or I'm going to go to a different country to follow because that's where he's leading me. Or, or to a different culture or, or a different part of the world. And there are actually a number of people that are part of our family here at Daybreak that have, that have followed God into some other places in the world. We have several people right now that are in East Asia. We have a family that's serving uh, street children in the Philippines. We've had a number of, of people who have gone uh, on short-term trips here at Daybreak. We have a number of people that have served in, in Haiti, done some relief work there. Um, Kim is actually, I'm going to embarrass you, wave. Kim is actually uh, going to be heading to Haiti in September. Uh, August, sooner, uh, for two years. <laughs> yeah. okay. You'll be there in September, though, right? I mean, hoping, yeah. So she's going to be g- going to Haiti uh, for, for two years and it, uh, is, is giving up a, uh, a job as a, uh, as a teacher in the public school to go and serve because she feels like that's something that God has challenged her with, that she's following him 
there. And so when it comes to this idea of following him wherever, sometimes it means a geographic change, which obviously would mean stepping outside of a comfort zone that we're accustomed to. So Jesus says to this guy, you can come follow me, but it's not going to be comfortable. But when we look at this wherever idea, it's important not to just think about it as a uh, geographical thing. Because the truth is, we're not all called to leave here and go somewhere else, right? Like some of us have to stay here. Am I right? Okay. So some of us have to do that. And so when, when Jesus says, follow me wherever I go, sometimes that means more of a relational wherever. It's more of like a, a, in certain relational circles. And this one can, can be just as difficult, sometimes even more difficult than the geographical type of wherever. Because this type of following people says that wherever I have relationships, wherever I, I, I know people, I have some consistent relationship with people, I'm going to follow Jesus in the midst of those relationships. I'm going to follow Jesus in that place. And so we all have a bunch of different types of relational circles in our lives. And Jesus says, I want you to follow me in those places. I want you to follow me in those wherevers. That's where I want you to go. And in some, in some relational uh, circles, it's not all that difficult. There are some places where we're completely comfortable, but then there's other ways where it's kind of like, you know, I'd really just rather not go there. Like, I would just rather not really follow him there. I'd rather just kind of just be a fan in that relational circle. So let me give you a couple examples. Uh, For instance, most of us are probably okay allowing ourselves to follow Jesus when we're at church, right? Like we're pretty comfortable when we come in here. We'll follow Jesus when we're in here. Probably even a little extra pressure, right? Like we really ought to follow Jesus when we're at church, right? Or uh, maybe when we're in a small group of some kind, uh, like a small group, a home group Bible study, or a men's or women's group, or some other type of church church function where we, we kind of feel comfortable. Okay, we're all saying we're going to follow Jesus together. And so in those settings, we probably feel pretty comfortable, at least to a certain extent. But what about some of the other places? All of us have some other places where maybe it's a little more uncomfortable to let Jesus sort of be in the picture. Uh, we don't necessarily maybe want to deliberately exclude him or whatever, but it's just kind of like, uh, yeah, let's just not let's just not go there. So maybe uh, there's a couple of, of places that could be. Maybe it's around a certain group of friends for you. Maybe there's a certain group of friends that you love to spend time with. You guys have similar interests. You like to hang out, uh, do things together. But following Jesus in that relational circle is something that's that's just too uncomfortable. That perhaps maybe it's just not. It's not. It would be too much outside of your comfort zone to, to to try to follow Jesus in that circle. And maybe today that's how Jesus wants to challenge you. Maybe that's the wherever that group of friends is the wherever that Jesus wants to challenge you with today. Or maybe it's at work. Maybe when you when you clock in at work, uh, when you you know following Jesus, the idea of following Jesus in that circle or in those relationships is really just the last thing on your mind. Maybe the, the, the workplace is the wherever that God says, that's, that's, that's the wherever I want you uh, to follow me into. Or maybe there's this one, which um, quite honestly I think might be the uh, most difficult one. Maybe for you, the place is at home. Maybe, maybe it's home for you is where it's the most difficult place for you to follow Jesus. I know for me, when I was kind of preparing this and felt like God was challenging me, like I felt like, yeah, that's, 
That for me is, a, is, a, is actually one of the toughest places to follow him. Because I think, you know, we can put forth the, the effort to be a certain way when we're at work, or we can put forth effort to be a certain way when we're with, with friends or when we're at church or whatever. But when we're at home, when we're tired and when we're, um, you know, exhausted and when our defenses are down, a lot of times it's in those moments where I've found, at least for me, that it's the most difficult place to follow Jesus, that that wherever, at home, is one of the toughest places to do it. And there there have been a number of times, uh, I've been married almost 11 years now, but there's been a number of times where I'm at home and I've said something or acted in a certain way or done something that I would never say or I would never behave like that in, in any other relational circle in my life. And I've acted in ways that are just embarrassing and selfish and times where later on I've, 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 I've said to myself, John, what was that? Like, what was that all about? Like, that is, that is not who, who you want to be. That is not who I want to be. Um, in his book, Not a Fan, which we've, we've uh, referenced a number of times in this series, uh, and uh, will, will as well today, the, the author Kyle Eidelman talks a little bit about this whole idea of following Jesus at home. And he says this, he says, wherever... What about in your own home? There is the tendency to carry a cross and follow Jesus, but before we walk in the door of our own home, we leave the cross on the front porch. Instead of submitting, you stand up for your rights. Instead of serving, you sit around. Instead of being patient, you are demanding. Instead of being encouraging, you are constantly critical. Instead of being a spiritual leader, you are passive and apathetic in your own home. So what about there. Maybe for you, and this again, this, was a, this challenged me a lot, maybe home is the wherever that Jesus wants to challenge you with today. Maybe that's the wherever that he wants to challenge you with. Maybe following Jesus wherever actually means to follow him within the, the walls of your own house. Maybe that's where it needs to start for you today. Now, just to be clear, in all of these different relational places, whether it's uh, a group of friends, whether it's at work, or whether it's at home, following Jesus, Jesus doesn't mean that you're, you have to talk about him constantly, right? It's not like he has to come up in like every paragraph of what you say or do. It's not like we're trying to get brownie points from God to see how often we can, we can bring up Jesus in a conversation. If we're following him, if we're, if we're, if we're following him wherever he's leading, he's going to come up in conversation. It's going to happen from time to time. He, he will come up in the conversation. Following Jesus in our relational wherevers, in our friend, group of friends, in our workplace, in our home, is about living in those places in such a way that there's actually evidence that might suggest that you're headed in the direction of being a committed follower of Jesus. There's evidence there that would actually suggest that. And it's so tough because it takes us out of our comfort zone. We're com- most of us are pretty comfortable at home, right? Like, it's just a place we can kick back, we can finally whatever. It's a place where we generally, that is where our comfort zone is. And so following Jesus in that place actually requires that we be willing to step outside of that comfort zone. The man says to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus warns him, and says, you know what? It's going to get tough sometimes. It's going to require you to sacrifice your comfort. 
Uh, This quote, which is in your outline from the Not a Fan book, Kyle Eidelman says, The most literal way to define a follower of Jesus is someone who goes where Jesus goes. I'm not sure you can call yourself a follower of Jesus if you refuse to go where Jesus went. Ultimately, if you follow Jesus wherever, you won't just end up covered in his dust. You will end up covered in his blood. And the point that he's making here is that following Jesus is difficult. Following Jesus wherever he leads you, whether that's geographical or relational, is a very difficult thing that involves sacrificing your own comfort. And we need to be prepared. The challenge is to be prepared to sacrifice some of the ways that we've gotten comfortable in those different settings. So here's the big question. And we have a, there's a question there at the end of this point. The big question we've kind of already asked it is this. Where is the one place? Where is the one uh, relational circle where you find it the most difficult to follow Jesus? Because that is probably the place where he wants to begin to challenge you to start heading in, the, in, in this direction on that continuum of following him. So if I believe Jesus is enough, not only will I follow him wherever he goes, but I'll also, number two, I will follow him whenever he calls. I will follow him whenever he calls. If following him wherever requires us to sacrifice our comfort, then following him whenever requires us to sacrifice our convenience. So Jesus uh, is, again, walking along, and he actually talks to a second guy here, and it says this. It says, uh, Jesus said to another person, Come be my disciple. The man agreed. But he said, Lord, first, let me return home and bury my father. Jesus replied, Let those who are spiritually dead care for their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach the coming of the kingdom of God. So it's a little bit different from the first guy, right? The first guy is sort of like, just excited and passionate about what he's seen Jesus do. And so he comes up and just blurts out, I'll follow you wherever you want me to go, Jesus. But this guy, doesn't, it doesn't say that he even approaches. It says that Jesus actually engages with him first. Uh, we don't even know uh, wh- how the guy got there. Maybe he was a friend of the first guy, or just one of his buddies kind of tagging along. But it just, it, it just says that he was there. And so Jesus says to him, hey, how, why don't you... Why don't, you, why don't you come and follow me? I want you to be my disciple. And the guy's like, yeah, right? Like, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. I'll follow you, Jesus. That's, I'm a, well, mm, you know, I don't, I'm not really sure. You know, I kind of got some stuff right now. Like, I've got some things going on. I got some stuff happening. I'm, now's not really the best time for me to do that. And so let me tell you what, let me go home. I'm going to go home, I'll take care of things with my, my, my dad, I'll bury him, and then once that's done, once all that stuff's taken care of, then you can give me a call, right, and I'll, I'll find where you are, and I'll come then, and, and, and then I'll follow you. At that point, I will come and follow you. And when we, when, when we read this, Jesus' response seems pretty harsh, right? Like what Jesus said, it's like, I can't believe he, he just said that. He says, let the spiritually dead care for their own dead. It's like, okay. <laughs> what? But it's important, when you read this, it's important to, to, to understand a little bit about, about the culture that they came from. What this guy was actually saying to Jesus was that his, his, well, his father was, probably wasn't actually dead. It was just one of those things where he was sort of putting Jesus off for now. That he was saying, look, I can't follow you right now. I've got to be there for my dad. He's kind of getting up in years. I'm, I'm kinda, I need to be responsible to, a little bit to care for him. And so I tell you what, once... 
once he kind of moves on, once he dies, uh, we'll, I'll, I'll take care of all those things. I'll get the inheritance that's due me, and then uh, I'll get all that stuff. And then once that happens, at that point then, I will come and follow you. So this guy is basically, and Jesus um, knows what he's thinking because it's Jesus, and, he, and, he, and he, he knows that this guy is basically just making up some excuses for why right now is just you know, not a good time to be following him. And so Jesus calls him out on it. He says, let the spiritually dead care for their own dead. He's saying, look, let those who have no interest in following me take care of those types of things. Stop making excuses and follow me. He's, and then he says, your duty is to go and preach the coming of the kingdom of God, of God. Or your job is to follow me where I'm leading you when I call you and to share the good news about, about what I've done with the people around you. And so Jesus was inviting this guy to follow, but it just it wasn't really a convenient time for him. And the guy, to his credit, didn't say, no, Jesus, I'm not following you. I'm not going to do it. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't just shut him down. It wasn't like an outright no. It was just a, eh, not right now. Like, it's just, it's just not, a, it's not a good time for me right now. The thing, the thing about following Jesus is that by its very nature, it's inconvenient. It's never really a good time to step outside of our comfort zones to follow him. Right now is as good a time and as bad a time as ever to follow Jesus. And because, because it's inconvenient, I don't know about you, but when things are inconvenient, you wouldn't believe the number of excuses I can come up with for why I shouldn't be doing that thing that is inconvenient. And some of those things are good things, like let me go bury my father first and then I'll come and follow you. Or how about these ones? Wait until I get through these couple of, of, of difficult years and then I'll follow. Or wait till, let me get my financial situation kind of just how I, I, I want it to be uh, and then I'll follow you. Or once I settle down and get married or once I have kids, then I'll start to follow. Or once I can get my behavior really the way that it should be, or I, if, if I get, once I break that, that bad habit that I have, once I break that, once that's done, then I'll follow you. Because following Jesus isn't convenient, there, there's always, there's always excuses, and sometimes pretty good ones, at least good to us, for why it's not a good time to follow him. I heard this illustration recently, and this is one of this, uh, this particular point about following him uh, out of uh, when it's inconvenient. It's just God's challenging me with it so much. Um, but I heard this illustration where uh, I, well, anybody know what this device is right here? If you can tell from where you're seated. Anybody? This is an alarm clock, right? Now, the goal of this piece of machinery is to get you to do something at a very specific time, right? Like a very specific time, right? Like at my house, it's kind of like, it's right over here, right? And I'm kind of like this. Okay, so this is kind of kind of the, the picture you get at my house. And what do most of us do, okay? What do most of us do? when this thing does what it's supposed to do. What do we do? Right? Like it's, it's depending on if you're left-handed or right-handed or you sleep on your back. Or, it doesn't really matter. The end result is typically something along the lines of like that. Right? Like it's just, boom, hit the snooze button. Right? I just, just hit, that, hit that snooze. And so what happens when we, we hit the snooze is nine minutes later, right? Or whatever, depending how you have it set. Nine minutes later, what happens? It goes off again and then what? 
Boom, right? And if you're like me, you know, okay, I set this so that I could have five snooze slaps before I actually get up in the morning. But eventually what happens? After a while, after we've hit the snooze button so many different times, eventually we get to the point where we we can't even hear the alarm anymore. Like it's just so ingrained, it's such a habit, we can't even hear that alarm anymore. We hit the snooze button without even knowing it because it's just, it's just part of our regular habit. Like whatever motion you use to make that happen becomes a habit. And the, the challenge is that when we give Jesus excuses for why is not a good time to follow him, it's kind of like hitting the snooze button over and over. No, boom, not now. Oh, yeah, no, not now. It's just not a good time. We do that over and over again. The bummer is that eventually it becomes a pattern and we don't even know that we do it anymore. It becomes such a habit that we don't even know that it's what we're doing. Or worse, we don't even hear his voice anymore. We get to the point where we can't even hear it anymore because we're just in this habit of be quiet, (laughs) knock it off, let me sleep, leave me alone. If if we want to move on the continuum this direction towards becoming a, a, a more committed follower of Jesus, refusing to hit the snooze button is a great way to head in that direction. So when you sense God telling you to do something, or when you, when you feel like God's telling you to, to say something to someone, or when, you, when he's challenging you to give something, or to talk to someone, or to serve to some, someone in a certain way, do it. Do it. Don't hit the snooze button and wait for it to be the right time to do those things. Do it then. Don't wait till it's convenient. Don't just go back to sleep. Uh, in, in the Not a Fan book, Eidelman says this. He says, I suspect there are a lot of fans who feel okay about a half-hearted relationship with Jesus because they have every intention of one day going all in and being completely committed. They don't feel convicted about not following Jesus because in their minds, they know that one day they will. They let themselves off the hook for a lukewarm faith because they didn't tell Jesus no. They're just waiting until later. And so the big question that we have to ask ourselves with regards to this is what holds us, what, what's holding you back from following Jesus right now? Like what's holding you back from following Jesus right now? Or what's the excuse that you tend to cling to? What's the excuse that causes you to just reach out and smack the snooze button? When he, when he asks you to do something. Jesus says, there's never been a better time than right now to, to follow me. Don't wait until it's convenient. Follow me today. The last thing that I want to uh, talk about this morning is that if I believe Jesus is enough, number three, I will follow him whatever the cost. Whatever the cost. Following him wherever he's leading requires us that we sacrifice our comfort. Following him whenever he calls us leads to giving up our convenience. And following him whatever the cost leads us to sacrifice our security. So far, Jesus, uh, he's spoken to two people, right? We just, he just talked to two different people about what it means to follow him. And now a third guy speaks up and it goes like this. It says, another guy said, yes, Lord, I will follow you. But first, let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. And this is pretty similar. There's some similarities here 
with this guy for the, from the previous guy. You kind of wonder if Jesus, like, were you even listening to what I just said to that guy before, right? Uh, but, but it seems like it's a pretty reasonable request. Like, I'll follow you, Jesus, but let me go say bye to my family first, right? Now, uh, I, I, I like to joke with my wife about the ways that men and women say goodbye differently. And uh, I want to uh, say up front that I'm well aware that not all men say goodbye this way. I'm also well aware that not all women say goodbye this way. This is blatant stereotyping that you will have happening before you. Uh, this is not from Scripture, but uh, I think it illustrates what we're talking about a little bit. So when, when we've been at a party or something like that, uh, and you guys let me know if you, if you see this. This is my... Uh, what, I, what I've noticed is that men, it's time, okay, it's time to say goodbye. You've been at a party, hanging out, there's a bunch of people there, whatever. Men, when it's time to say goodbye, walk toward the door. Right before reaching for the doorknob, we turn around. We look to whoever happens to be within, within eyeshot or earshot. Later. <laughs> and then we go out the door. Okay, that's, that's it, right? Like, again, not all men do that, uh, but a lot of men do it that way. That's how they say goodbye. Women, on the other hand, I've found, uh, have a significantly more involved process uh, to, to, to saying goodbye. Uh, there's a whole goodbye tour that actually has to take place for them. And so, uh, ladies and guys, let me know if I've missed something here. This is just, again, these are just some, some things that I've picked up over time. So, every time that she's had any sort of, she being the general she, not any specific she that I might be referring to. <laughs> The general she. Uh, anytime that she's had any sort of meaningful discussion with somebody at some point during the night, those people, you have to say goodbye, and there's five, I've found five ingredients to a good, like to saying goodbye as part of this, this tour. Okay, and this happens with each of those people. So first, there's the recognition that it's time to say goodbye and some sort of sorrowful facial expression involved, like... <laughs> It's time to go home. <laughs> this, right? Like you eye contact with the person, it's time to say goodbye. That type of thing. Okay, then it involves standing up and taking some steps towards whichever person you're going to be addressing and giving a personal verbal goodbye, like a meaningful goodbye face-to-face. That same conversation is then accompanied with a clear delineation of the next time that you will see or interact with that person. So it's, the, you know, this, you walk up, goodbye, I'll see you next Thursday at 10 a.m. at the thing with the people over there, that type of thing, okay? Then it's followed by a hug that lasts a minimum of two to three seconds with a few whis- you know, whispered compliments to one another. Like, oh, it's so good to see you again. Thanks for sharing that thing with me. Whatever. Then, and this is step five, it ends with a request to please tell something to their significant other or whoever. Like, hey, tell your husband that I said hi or something like that. Which, nobody ever does that, right? Like, does anybody actually go, go home? Well, she said hi to you. So, now, now, again, like I said, I can tell some of you are angry with me for that. So I apologize again. That's not, you're probably different than that. But that's just some general. Now, is the way that men say goodbye better? Yes. I think we can agree on that. I guess, no, 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 no. No, it's not. It's not better. Uh, okay, but seriously, getting back to our story, when this guy comes up to Jesus, when he says to Jesus, I want to go say goodbye to my family, it's much more of the goodbye tour 
type of goodbye that Jesus is addressing here, right? This guy's going to go say goodbye. There's going to be parties and gifts and hugs. Probably a lot of money is going to be handed off at these things. And so this guy, is, it's actually a process that in that culture would have taken a couple of weeks to say goodbye to these various people. And so this guy says, okay, I'll follow you. Let me go say goodbye to my family. And Jesus says this. He says, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. So once again, Jesus doesn't beat around the bush here, right, with this guy. He doesn't. He gets pretty blunt right away. And he's basically saying, look, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to follow me, you can't keep looking back. Looking back is going to distract you from where I'm leading you, from where I'm calling you. So Jesus was actually telling this guy, hey, I want you to give up your security as you follow me. For the man in the story, his security was tied to his family. And maybe it was like a relational security that he had. Or maybe it was, there was some kind of financial security that he had in that environment. Or maybe it was just security that he found because it was familiar. Like it was just a familiar thing and so he found security in it. But Jesus was saying to him, I want you to take those things where you find that security and I want you to let them go. I want you to let go of those things and, and begin to find your security in me. When it, when it comes to following Jesus, one of, the, one of the most, I think, heart-revealing questions that you and I can ask ourselves is this. Where do I find my security? Where do I find my security? And it's revealing because in the culture that we live in, that you and I are a part of, security is probably the, maybe the highest value that, that, that we hold on to. I know, I know it is for me. It's, 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 the, it's the highest value that we hold on to. Um, comfort is a big value. Convenience is something that's important. But security, I think, is something that takes the cake for all of us. And so the question is, where do you, where do you find your security? And a good way, I think, to, to discover that, other than just trying to answer the question outright, is to figure out how would you, how would you finish this, this sentence? I'll be okay if this, or it'll, it'll, be, okay, it'll, it'll be okay if this happens. Um, it'll be okay if, if, my, if I can, my financial picture can just get like this, then it'll be okay. Or if I can just get to that position in my company, or if I can just get to that, that job that I want, then I'll be okay. Or if, I can just, if my kids can just turn out okay, if my kids will just turn out okay, then I'll be fine. Or if I could just stop this one bad habit, or if, if the business can just hold on until then, I'll be okay. Or if I can just get to that particular weight, or if I can just make peace between those people, or if I can just get to that, that vacation that's just right, it's, it's so close now. If I can just get there, things will be okay. So where, how about you? Where do you find your security? How do you finish the sentence, it'll be okay if I can get to that point? Now, all of those things in and of themselves are not necessarily bad things. Money, it's fine to have money. Job, it's good to have a job. It's important to work. Vacation, it's important to take a break. But when we find our security in those things, what happens is that they become idols. And what Jesus says is when, if you're following me, what you're going to need to begin to do, if you're headed in this direction, you're going to need to begin to sacrifice to give up some of those 
idols. It's going to cost you those idols. There's one more quote from the Not a Fan book in your outline that says this. It says, The reason Jesus is so adamant about followers surrendering everything is because the reality is this. The one thing we are most reluctant to give up is the one thing that has the most potential to become a substitute for him. Really, what we're talking about here is idolatry. When we are to be following Jesus, who is ahead of us, but find ourselves looking behind us, we are revealing that we are substituting something or someone for him. A friend of mine and I were recently talking about this idea of what it means to surrender to Jesus, because it is an incredibly difficult thing to do. That how do we surrender these things to God um, instead of allowing them to kind of reach idol status or become idols in our lives? Because it's good to have money. It's good to love family. It's good to work. It's good to take a vacation. So how do we both continue to have those things and then at the same time let go of them? And I like the way, I like the way that he put it. He said this. He said, I feel like God's been telling me to hold everything that I have with an open hand like this. Everything that I have, God's been challenging me that this is what surrender looks like. Whether it's my money or my time, whether it's my, my family, whether it's my, my job, my career, my social status, like I want to take those things and hold them like this. It reminds me, he says, that it's not, I'm, I'm not, that I'm, it reminds me that I'm just a steward of what it is that God's given to me. And I recognize by doing this that it all actually belongs to him. He said, he said that's, that's how I picture surrender. That's, that's what surrender looks like. That's how I follow him. Because when you hold things with an, with an open hand like this, you're able to still have those things, and yet you're also letting go of them at the same time. Right? When, you hold, when you hold them like this, you still have them, but also you've let go of them and given them over to God at the same time. And that brings us to the last question there at, at the bottom of your outline, which is this, the big question, what am I unwilling to let go of? Or what am I, what am I unwilling to hold with an open hand? What, what are the things that I hold like this and am, am unwilling to go like this to God with? We started today with the question, is Jesus enough? Is he enough? And when we choose to follow him, when no matter where we are in that continuum, we'd say, all right, I'm going to start right where I am, and I'm going to turn, and I'm going to start to head in this direction towards becoming a follower of his. When we choose to do that, we're saying, yes, Jesus, I believe that you are enough. I believe that you are enough for me. And my prayer is for each and every single one of us that, that we'll choose to follow him wherever he leads, wherever he, wherever he goes, that we'll be willing to, to sacrifice our comfort to follow him, that we'd be willing to follow him whenever he calls, that we won't be men and women that, that constantly hit the snooze button when God challenges us, that we'd be willing to sacrifice our convenience in order to follow him, and then that we'd also be willing to follow no matter what it costs that that we'd be willing to sacrifice our security to live lives where we go like this with the things that God has blessed us with. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we want to we follow you. And um, I know for me, when I'm 
challenged to follow you. Uh, I'm reminded of all of the ways that I fail. And um, I just pray for each one of us in this room today that um, if following you is something that only brings up uh, a picture of failure, that we would remember that that's exactly why you died on the cross. You gave us your grace so that as we seek to follow you, that we can stumble, we can make mistakes, and yet we can be forgiven. So God, I thank you and praise you today for that. Jesus, we want to follow you wherever you lead, even when it's outside of our comfort zone. We want to follow you whenever you call, even when it's not convenient. And we want to follow you whatever the cost, holding our security with open hands. Uh, This morning, Jesus, we just want to say uh, that you're enough for us. We thank you for that truth. Uh, We thank you uh, that you love us unconditionally. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You are my supply, my breath of life, still more awesome than I know. You are my reward, worth living for, still more awesome than I know. And all of you is more than enough for all of me. For every thirst and every need, you satisfy me with your love. And all I have in you is more than enough. You're my sacrifice of greatest price, still more awesome than I know. You're my coming king, you're my everything, still more awesome than I know. And all of you is more than enough for all of me forever. Every need you satisfy me with your love, and all I have in you is more than enough. It's more than enough, more than all I want. More than all I need You are more than enough for me More than all I know More than all I can see You are more than enough for me More than all I want More than all I need You are more than Oh
love you is more than enough for all of me. card please we want to give you a chance to reflect on how God's voice might have targeted your heart uniquely this morning and I have to say that the last seven days of my life um, have been pretty incredible Um, I was able to walk side by side with 11 other people who um, on a missions trip uh, to Biloxi Mississippi who I felt like lived out 24 7 uh, the things that we just talked about today they were willing to follow jesus when he called and they were willing to do it wherever he called no matter what it cost and the privilege and the honor that i feel to have served alongside of them this week is is beyond what i can express and showing up here this morning and now looking out on a second room full of people realizing that he's calling us to do the very same thing in our everyday life. Um, it's, it's beautiful. And the, the question that he's asking us about, you know, what it will take. Actually, there was three questions. Can, let's look at them again that John challenged us with. The first one was, where is the one place, maybe relationally, that you find it most difficult to follow Jesus? And then the second one, what holds me back from following him right now, like today? And then the final question about security. What am I unwilling to let go of? And I want to challenge you today that Jesus is looking down on you and he's telling you in whatever kind of voice you need to hear it, whether it's a whisper or a shout or a warm embrace, he's telling you that he's enough for you. He is enough. And we want to give you a chance to reflect on these questions and figure out what it is that you know, it's really hitting home and how he's asking you specifically to respond. And so that's why the card is there. Uh, I would challenge you to write it down, whether it's on here or whether it's on your outline. Write down what he's spoken to you. I spent a lot of time this week journaling and writing down what God was saying to me. I'm going to be spending more time going back and reflecting on, the, on that. There's power in transferring what he's saying to you to something that will be a reminder to you later this week. So please use this time uh, to respond to how he's leading you. Mm -hmm. 